Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. chapter 3. I want us to read in verses 1 down through verse number 10. It says, Now Peter and John were going up together to the temple complex at the hour of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. And a man who was lame from birth was carried there and placed every day at the temple gate called Beautiful so he could beg from those entering the temple complex. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple complex, he asked for help. And Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, I think this is important, he said, look at us. So he turned to them, here's another important part of the verse, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up. And at once his feet and his ankles became strong. And so he jumped up and he stood and he started to walk. And he entered the temple complex with them, get this, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and they recognized that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple complex. And so they were filled with awe. Wow. They were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. Guys, you know what had happened to him? God had revealed his power to him. And there's a whole lot more than just physical healing that took place there. God was revealing his power. And I want to share with you a little bit this morning as we think about our D6 theme that we're going to be studying in all of our small groups that all of our Sunday school classes this morning uh, studied together on the theme of being omni- or God being omnipotent. Omnipotence. It just simply means that God is all-powerful. He's in control of all things, and He has great power. Don't you love reading the book of Acts? I mean, I, I love just gleaning through the book of Acts and seeing this first century church and seeing what, what God is doing through the power of the Holy Spirit to individuals that are completely sold out to follow Him, and all these wonderful things that God is doing in the lives of people. I love, I love reading that. I mean, don't we enjoy hearing these good stories? Don't we enjoy seeing stories like this where, where God's glory is revealed, God's power is revealed, and an individual? I mean, here we got this man. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 22 that, that for 40 years this man had been carried... He could not walk there. He could not hobble there. He he didn't get there with a walker or a set of crutches or a wheelchair. He was so weak. He was so lame. He was so feeble that he had to literally be carried to the gate of the temple complex called Beautiful. And for over 40 years, he laid there begging for alms. 
I think it's pretty significant that as the individuals that were walking into the temple, they would throw him a few copper coins along the way. They would give him a little bit of money, maybe just to ease their own conscience. Notice that this individual was outside the temple. He was not inside the temple because many of the religious leaders of that day thought that either this man or his parents had sinned and were under some type of curse from God, that he was unclean, therefore he could not be brought into the temple because he was unclean, so he laid outside the temple gate begging for a few coins so he could make it through. I want you to know something, guys. We're going to look just a moment into God's power, and we're going to talk about the environments or the circumstances that must take place in order for God's power to be revealed. But I want you to understand something, guys. God's power is not seen in just being a religious person or through religious activity. For 40 years, religious activity had been taking place in the temple, and this man was not healed. So don't confuse religious activity with living a vibrant, abundant Christian life where the power of God is revealed and lived out in your life. It takes so much more than just being a religious person. Hello? Matter of fact, religion won't get you anywhere. Religion will really just get you in trouble. It, it will mess you up. It really is all about having a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ it's surrendering to not, not only Him as our Savior, but to Him also as our Lord and allowing Him to sit on the throne of our heart and our life and move and have being in our lives and us submitted to Him. And when that takes place, then I think we can start seeing God's glory being revealed and God's power being exhibited in, in our lives on a somewhat of a daily basis. I don't know about you, but I, I want to see God's power in my life. I, I don't want to be a powerless Christian I don't want to be a powerless preacher. I don't want to be involved in a powerless church. I don't, I don't want to be involved in a church that just plays church and just puts on a religious label and just acts good part of the time and lives like the devil the rest of the time. I don't want any part of that. Hello? I don't want to be a part of a feel-good movement. I want to be part of a church that really understands what it means to be a believer that lives for God, that's sold out to God, that, like my son said, has courage to stand for God. That's the kind of group I want to be a part of. Hello? I want to see God's power move in all of our lives and in our church and in our community. And I believe His power can move today just like it did in this day in Acts chapter 3. The Word of God tells us that our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. Hello? He never changes. Who changes? We do. We get away from Him. He's just as powerful as He's always been. And you're going to study that this week when we look into the life of Job. And we look at Job, I believe it's chapter 40 and 41 this week in all of our studies. By the way, if you do not have one of our devotional magazines, please stop at the back table, pick one of those up, study along with us today as we, as, or this week as we study about God's power. So before I go any further, just let me pause here for a moment, ask God's blessing on the preaching, the reading of His Word. Let's pray that He opens up our hearts, gives us understanding. Let's just pray that He moves in our spirit. Let's pray He reveals anything in our life that's not pleasing unto Him. Guys, I promise you, the, uh, a shortcut to being a powerless Christian is to be an individual who has unconfessed sin in your life. You want to be powerless, you live a life with unconfessed sin. 
And when the Holy Spirit fingers around our heart and, and he, he thumps us, and I remember when I was a boy, and I think I shared this story with someone just this week, when I, when I was a boy my, sitting in church, my mom, we didn't have children's church, we just all sat in church. Good or bad, well, whatever, we just all were there. And I remember as a, as a boy sitting in church, and, and I, you know, as a young boy, you get kind of restless, and you're thinking about lunch, and you're thinking about the ball games that are coming on, you're thinking about getting outside and playing, or whatever it is, and you're just kind of thinking about other things sometimes as a young boy. And, and my mom, she would never say anything. She'd just have her arm around me because she loved me, and she would thump, <laughs> boom, right on top of the head. Maybe that's why I don't have hair today. I don't know. I got thumped so much. I, I don't know. But the uh, point is she'd thump me. And I knew that I'd messed up, and I knew I needed to change my behavior. Well, sometimes the Holy Spirit gives us a good Holy Spirit thump from time to time, does He not? And uh, so if you get the Holy Spirit thump today, I want you to know that's from God, that's not from me. The best I can do is, the, the very best I can do is reach your ears. That's it. If you get a thumping that takes place in the heart, that's the Holy Spirit of God working in your life. So don't get upset with me, just do business with Him, okay? Will you do that? All right, let's pray together. Father, God, we stand in need of you this morning. God, we're so thankful that you've given us your word. You've given us your Holy Spirit that takes up residence in our heart and in our life. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you would just help us to live for you. I pray that you do an inventory in our lives right now. And if there's any unconfessed sin in there, if there's any sin, God, that that we just haven't been convicted of. God, we pray for, for an old-fashioned conviction of sin. We live in a society today that is so concerned about not being convicted of something or, or not being persuaded of... God, I pray you'd convict us. God, I pray you would reveal in our lives any area of our lives that's not pleasing to you so that your power can be revealed in our homes and our families in our marriages, as parents, as children, in our church, in our community. God, we don't want to live a powerless life. God, we want to see your power. Just as it was in the early days of the church, I believe it can even still be today, your power can be put on display for the world to see. And God, you work through your people. Help us to understand a little bit about your power this week. It's so deep, it's so vast. God, I pray you'd give us insight. I pray you'd finger around in our heart and draw us close to you. Help us, God, not to be powerless Christians or a powerless church. Have your will and way in this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The question this morning is, what type of an environment must we live in in order to see God's power revealed? That's what I've been wrestling with, with this week. As I've been preparing and thinking about our D6 theme that we introduced today and that we're going to go and study all week long, I'm thinking about the omnipotence of God, the powerfulness of God. Then I started thinking about what, are, what does it take for God's power to be unleashed in our lives? What does it take for God's power to be unleashed in our families, unleashed in our church, unleashed in, unleashed in our community? Well, I believe there are some things that we glean out of Acts chapter 3. Four things, actually, I'm going to share with you. So on the back of your worship folder, there's a place for you to jot down some things. I want you to jot down, if you, if you don't jot down anything else, at least jot down four words that I'm going to give you. I think there are four words that will identify the environment that must take place 
for God's power to be revealed in our lives. The first word I want you to jot down is the word presence. In order for God's power to flow, I want you to understand that His power flows where He is. Now let that sink in just for a moment. God's power flows where He is. Look at verses 1 through 3 of Acts chapter number 3. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. I've already shared with you that in Acts chapter 4 and verse 22, we discover that this man is over 40 years old. For 40 years old, he had been laid at the temple, supposedly the home of God where God was, and yet he's not healed. Now, in order for God's power to flow in our life, I think we must understand that we must be where He is. It sounds very simple, does it not? And sometimes we scratch our head and we ask the question, well, was it God in the temple? The answer to that is no. Not at this time. God is not. You remember the passage of Scripture where where Jesus died on the cross and, and the Bible tells us that the veil was rent from top to bottom? The veil that goes into the holies of holies in the temple complex, the veil was torn in two from top to bottom. And oftentimes we preach that, that the, the veil was torn so that we could go straight into the holies of holies of God ourselves without the, the need of a high priest and how we could go straight to the throne room of God in prayer. Well, that's true. But I want you to know that's only half true. The other half that sometimes we fail to think about is not only did the veil rent from top to bottom so we could have access to God, but I want you to know that God came out of the holies of holies. He used to dwell there. The high priest used to go in and make sacrifices there for the people where the holy place of God was. But I want you to know, on Calvary, when Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the entire world, the veil was rent from top to bottom, yes, so man could have access to a holy God, but also so God could come out of the holy holies and take up residence where? In our hearts and in our lives. You see, this man had been laying at the temple gate for over 40 years. He had been in a place where really God wasn't anymore. I mean, he was involved and there were people involved in religious activity. But I just want to make a statement. It may be too bold to make for a Sunday morning. It may be too bold to make for the year 2011. But it's kind of my personal conviction. So I'm going to share it. And, and I want you to understand something. I'll be on no, no ballot come November. I'm not running for any office. I'm not running for election. So I'm not out trying to gather votes or gather a following. I just want to try to declare to you the Word of God. I don't believe God... Don't believe God reveals Himself in just religious activity. God's looking for more than that from us. Hello? I mean, we must, church, come to the place where we realize it's not enough just to go to church. Some people go to church just to ease their conscience. Well, maybe I'll do my religious duty for the week. Let me tell you, if that's all you're doing, I promise you, you will be a powerless Christian. Hello? 
There were people going in and out of the temple complex on a daily basis. He was outside the temple complex. He was sitting by the gate called Beautiful. God wasn't there, but God was with two old boys. You remember their name? The Bible says it's Peter and John. They're walking up. Why? Because God now is taking up residence in their heart. And guys, I want you to know that's where God wants to reside in your life. It's not just come to church to meet God. No, He's with you every single day. Hello? He takes up residence in our spirit, in our soul, of our hearts, in our beings. This now, my body, is now the temple, the tabernacle of a holy God. I believe that's why we should respect our bodies. I could get off on a whole other tangent of things there, but we now are the temple. We now are the tabernacle. We now are the place where the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence. And in order for God's power to flow, we must be where He is. What do you think about that? We've got to be where He is. Let me ask you a question. The Bible tells us that, that Peter and John reached down to this man and got him by the hand. Let me ask you a question. When Peter reaches out and he heals this man, he reaches out and, and, and touches this man and picks him up by the hand and he starts walking and leaping and praising God and worshiping the Lord and, and he's physically healed. Let me ask you, whose hand was that? Was that Peter's hand or was that God's hand? The answer is yes. Yes, it was physically and literally Peter's hand, but it was also God's hand because the Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27 that Christ is in us the hope of glory. Amen. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. Any small act of kindness or anything that's done in this world is going to be done through you as an individual. Oh, church, if we would just learn to surrender our lives to Christ and follow the leadership of the Lord in our own personal lives, you'd be amazed at how much of a powerful influence for Christ you could have in your family and in your community and on your job. Amen. The power of God. God Himself was in Peter and John. You see, I believe this. If we are to see the power of God, then I believe we must secure the presence of Christ in our life. Does He live in your life? Does Christ Jesus live in your life? I'm not talking about just doing religious activity. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about giving an offering. I'm not talking about being baptized. I'm not talking about taking communion and the Lord's Supper whenever we share that. I'm talking about, do you know Jesus? Does He take up residence in your heart and in your life. Guys, it's not enough just to be religious. Hello? I believe our churches are filled every single Sunday with religious people that don't have a clue about the power of God and how God can reveal Himself in their life simply because they haven't, one, either asked Him to come into their personal life and receive Him as their Lord and Savior and repent of their sins and ask Christ into their life, or secondly, maybe they prayed that little prayer, but they haven't really lived it out. Maybe they haven't really surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus in our lives. Guys, have you got to that place yet? Have you got to that place where you realize, you know what? I no longer live for myself. I no longer call the shots. I let Him call the shots in my life. He leads me. He guides me. He directs me. I believe if we're going to see the power, then we must secure the presence of Jesus. Number two that I want to share with you, not only... Does God's power flow where He is? But secondly, I believe God's power also flows where there is expectancy. So the first word I want you to jot down is the word presence. We've got to get into the presence of God. The second word I want you to jot down is expectancy or just expectant. 
You see, I think we ought to enter into life expecting some things from God. Look, if you will, at Acts chapter 3 and verse 4 and 5. It says, And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them. What's the next word? Expecting to receive something from them. Now, granted, he got more than he expected. But at least he was expecting something from them. Hello? You see, guys, if we're ever going to have the power of God unleashed in our lives, yes, we must get into God's presence, but secondly, we must get there and expect Him to do some things. Let me ask you a question. What are you expecting out of God today? Why did you come to church this morning? Why are you here this morning at Victory Church? Did you come expecting to receive a blessing? Did you come expecting God to move in your life? Did you come expecting God to hear your prayers? Did you come expecting God to move in your family or move on your job or move in your circumstances? Oftentimes we don't get much from God because we don't expect much from Him. You see, if the power of God's going to move in our life, then I think we need to get to the point where we expect something from God. You see, when I come to church on Sunday morning, I expect to worship God. I expect God to move. I expect God to speak to hearts. I expect to see people saved. I expect to see people rededicated. I mean, I'm expecting those things. You may say, well, don't you think that's pretty high expectations? No, not from my God. Hello? I mean, if I'm going to God in prayer, either I'm in counseling or I'm praying about something or I'm talking to God about an issue, I'm expecting God to do something. Listen, guys, if I didn't expect God to move, I would get out of this business. If, if we don't expect God to do anything, then you're serving a dead God. Go serve Buddha or somebody else that sits on a shelf and polish him up from time to time. He'll get dusty sitting there. But that's not my God. My God's alive and He's well and He's, om- he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And He wants to move in all of our lives. God, I believe it's important that we come to church longing to hear God speak to us. Write down this verse of Scripture, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. It says, without faith it is impossible to please Him. Oh, there's a whole other message right there. Without faith. You want to please God? How do we please God? With faith. Because without faith it's impossible to please Him. What is faith? Faith is total dependence upon God. That takes humility. That takes submission to the Lordship of Christ. But faith is totally dependent upon God. I can't go there. I don't have time to unpack that. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For the one who comes to God must, get this, believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The Bible says whenever we come to God by faith, that we come to Him diligently and understanding that He is a rewarder of those who seek after Him. You see, I expect God to bless my life. I expect to live under the favor of God. I expect to live under the blessings of God. Why? Because of any good that I've done? No. Because of all that what Christ Jesus has done. I've been recognized that I'm a sinner. I've sold out to God. I've confessed my sins to Him. I've asked Him to come in, not only be my Savior, but lead, be my Lord. Lead me and guide me through this life. And I promise you, there's a whole lot of people that don't like that. But I expect God to move in our church, in our life. You see, we think about the future of Victory Church. And we think about all that we're trying to do with our whole relocation process. And I promise you, that has been a roller coaster. 
And for those that have taken that journey with us, you know it's been a roller coaster. I mean, we've had some of the highest highs, and we've experienced some of the lowest lows, but I'm still expecting God to get Victory Church established right here on Scott Troy Road in that building where we're going to be. I'm expecting one day to see future growth take place there. I'm expecting to see souls saved. I'm expecting to see families brought back together. I'm expecting to see things from God. Hello? Maybe you call it... I don't know, maybe you call it simplistic thinking. Call it what you want. I call it faith. Hello? I expect those things from God. What are you expecting? Well, you probably expected to come in here and we would open with a song. And then you expected that Daniel would come and give a welcome and a prayer. And then you probably came with the expectation that then we'd sing a few more songs. There may be a video, but then we'll sing a few more songs. And then you're expected somebody to get up and say, turn around and fellowship with someone, which, by the way, we don't do that just to take up time. I promise you, I can take up the full hour and preach the whole time. Okay? We don't put things in just to take up time. We put things in that will help us be healthy. I think it's healthy for us as a church family to spend time together, fellowshipping, hugging each other's necks, shaking hands, asking how you're doing, praying for one another, getting to know that's healthy. That's why we do that. Maybe you came expecting us to have that moment. Then you expected somebody to deliver the or dismiss the kids to children's church, which, by the way, I forgot to do that, but thanks be to God, they went on anyway. Amen? They, you see, they're even expecting that. Hello? And then, if you're lucky, you're expecting the preacher to be done by about 11.45 or so. Really, you're expecting to be out of here by 1 o'clock, right? <laughs> But we kind of come and go and just go through the motions and we really don't expect much more. Then we'll go home this afternoon and we'll all either go to our direct TV and watch our football or I have Dish Network so I'll go to the Red Zone. It's channel 154 and it's in high def and I'll get the Red Zone and every touchdown, everybody that's playing that time, it goes in and out to all their games and it shows me every single score and you know I'm expected to do that this afternoon. I know as a family we're going to go home and, we're, and Debbie's got a meal prepared and we're going to go home and eat together as a family and I'm going to watch a few ball games. I'm expecting to get over and see Thomas play football a little bit this afternoon over at Chevy Park. I mean those are some things I'm expected to do today but what if what if our expectations were bigger than that what if we really really expected God to show up if we really expected God to show up we wouldn't care if we got out of here at one or two or three o'clock in the afternoon that wouldn't matter to us at all as long as God showed up but I think sometimes we come to church with such a low expectancy we don't expect a whole lot from God therefore we don't get a whole lot from God Guys, I'm here to tell you today that our God's a powerful God. Amen? He is a powerful God, and He wants to move in your life, but I think we must get where He is. We must get our lives in tune with Him. We must get in the center of His will. We must pray and repent and ask God to forgive us, be our Lord, be our Savior, live for Him, be sold out for Him, humbly follow Him through all of life, and then we must expect great things. This lame man for over 40 years looked at Peter and John expecting something. Now, you may argue the point, yeah, but he was expecting coins. Maybe so. He still looked up with expectancy. And he got a whole lot more than what he expected. Hello? Do you know this verse? Jot this down. I want you to spend some time in this verse. As your pastor, I want you to spend some time in this verse of Scripture this week. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. The Bible says, 
Now to Him, the Lord, to Him who is able. I want you to listen to the verbiage of this verse. Listen to each individual word. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know what the Bible says? It says that He is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think. You see, the reason God's not revealing Himself in your life in a powerful way is because you're not really expecting Him to, because He's able to give you a whole lot more than what you expect. He's able to do a whole lot more than you want to do. He's able to go a lot, whole lot further with you than you're willing to go sometimes. Hello? He is a powerful God. Well, here's, th- here's three things I know about going to God in prayer. You see, I believe God answers every single prayer in our life. And there's three things that I know that line up with expectancy. I want you to jot these three things down. And I think I have a slide where all three of them are are up here. I want you to jot these three things down. Here are three thoughts on expectancy. Number one, God wants us to come to Him with expectancy. He wants us to come to Him and expect something from Him. Number two, we have every reason to come to Him with expectancy because God always answers His people. He will always answer your prayer. I'm reminded of the Scripture while you're jotting those down in James chapter 1, verse 5-8. through 8. And this is pertaining to wisdom. But the Bible says, If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously without criticizing and it will be given to him. But get this in verse 6, James 1 and verse 6. But let him ask in faith, get this, without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind, and he's unstable in all of his ways. You see, we've got to be able to go to God in prayer, expecting God to do something without doubting it. Many times we'll go to God in prayer and we'll say, God, I need you to do this in my life, whatever it may be. And then we walk away saying, I just don't know if he'll do that. You know what you've done? You've just doubted. God's not going to reveal Himself to you when you go around doubting all the time. Hello? Now, I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. I've read all of Norman Vincent Pill's books. I've read them, been there, done that, experienced that, seen that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about trusting in the power of God in our lives. And the third thing we see about expectancy is God doesn't always answer the way that we are anticipating How many has discovered that one? Yeah? Amen? He wants us to come to Him with expectancy. We can come to Him because He always answers our prayers. But thirdly, I have discovered He doesn't always answer them the way that I expect. Usually, usually, it's exceeding. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Back when we were searching for land and relocating, I was looking for three to five acres, all I was looking for. I didn't think we could afford any more than three to five acres, and I was searching around everywhere, and I mean everything, the three to five acres we were looking for was completely out of our budget. All of a sudden, God says, call this man. I called Jack Schmidt. He said, come have lunch with me. I went and had lunch, and I said, I'm looking about three to five acres. He said, would you like to have 22? And I said, I can't afford 22. And he said, I think you can. I can give you 22 for what you'll pay for three to five. Okay, I'll take 22. Actually, it's 21.7, I think, something like that. 
or 21 acres, 21 point, something like that. I mean, boom. Well, then it gets to closing. And we're a few weeks out. We're short on money. We're short on the down payment. I call up Jack. I said, Jack, I'm sorry, but we're not going to be able to purchase this. He said, why? I said, we're, we're short on money. I, I just, we, we can't purchase it. Now, I'd already prayed about this. I'd already taken it to God. I just thought the answer was, okay, pull out. He said, well, how much are you short? I said, we're $30,000 short. He said, that's no problem. I'll write you a check. <laughs> so at closing, we get a $30,000 check from Jack to cover our shortage. I'm thinking, why didn't I say 100000 <laughs> My point is, we need to go to God expecting great things from Him. And if we just go expecting great things, we'll usually see that He will work in our lives and do exceedingly abundantly more than what we expect or even think. If we just learn to go to him by faith. Now I do know this. And I think I got a slide for this one. God will answer your prayer in one of three ways. He will either say no. Or he will say slow. Or he will say go. Now I've experienced all three of these in my life. And possibly you have. I mean we're, we're walking with God. We're expecting great things from God. We're going to God in prayer. We're calling out to him. I want you to know this. God hears and answers every single prayer that has ever been prayed. And he answers those prayer in one of these three ways. Either one, he says no. I've had God tell me no before. Why? Because that's outside of God's will for my life. And God has said no. There are other times when God said slow. In other words, God say, boy, you're so anxious. And he's told me that often. And he'll say, you know what? That's really not outside my will for you, but the timing's not right. You're just going to have to slow down and wait on me. Wait for my timing. And then there are those times when he says... That's it. Go. Do it. That's when the timing is right. God's will is, is, in, is intact where it's supposed to be. And, he's, and he answers in the affirmative. Now, we've all experienced that. But the point I want you to get to the place to where you will start expecting God to move. I want you to expect God to move in your life. Expect Him to direct your life. Expect Him to save you out of your dire circumstances. Expect Him to provide for you whatever it is. Expect Him to heal Whatever it is, I love Hudson Taylor and reading, reading his life story, reading his books. His motto was this. He said, attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. You need to go read the biography of Hudson Taylor if you haven't already. Missionary to China. You'll see a little bit about his life. Attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. Here's another quote by him. Hudson Taylor says this. Many Christians estimate difficulties in the light of their own resources and thus attempt little and often fail in the little that they attempt. All of God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on His power and His presence with them. Guys, I'll be the first one to tell you that I'm a weak man. I can't do it by myself. But I also come right behind you and tell you that I am trusting Him completely with my life. I am trusting Him completely with my family. I am trusting Him completely with our church. I am trusting Him. And if you know me, and you've engaged in a conversation with me about our building facility and all that's taking place there, I'll be the first one to tell you that as an individual, personally, just John Cannon, the man, I'm a little nervous with what we're doing. The $1.3 million building. I'm a little nervous with that. That's the fleshly side. That's the human side. But on the flip side of the coin, 
there's God. And I just expect God to work. I expect God to move. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, and I can only speak for myself personally, I know without a shadow of a doubt that I am right in the center of God's will for my life. I hope you can say that. Let me give you two more things real quickly. And I I promise you, I'm not going to spend much time on these. Promise. God's power flows where He is, His presence. God's power flows where there is expectancy. The third thing I want you to see is God's power flows where right authority is recognized. Look in verse 6 and 7. But Peter said, I don't have silver and gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. You see, Peter didn't say in the name of Peter or in the name of the church. He said in the name of Jesus. You see, God's power will flow when we identify the right authority in our life and the right source of the power. At the name of Jesus, the Bible says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. The Bible teaches us that the name of Jesus, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We've got victory over the devil. We've got victory over Satan. We've got victory over the world. How? Through Jesus. Through what he did on the cross. Amen? Guys, we need to get a hold of that. We live in a society today that don't want you to say anything about Jesus. Say whatever you want to say about God, because everybody has a God, so that doesn't threaten them any. But don't bring up the name Jesus. Why? I'll tell you why. It scares them. They know, the world knows that there's power in the name of Jesus. And whenever we submit to the proper authority in our life and we recognize the right authority in our life, I mean, we're in His presence. We have great expectancy. The authority is Jesus Christ, nobody else. I promise you, you are aligning yourself for the power of God to start working in your life. Number four, I could say more about that. I've got to go on. Number four is this. God's power flows where He will receive the glory. Where He will receive the glory. Verses 8 and 10. It says, This lame man, he jumped up and he stood and he started to walk and he entered the temple complex with them. He was walking and leaping and praising Peter and John. No, that's not what the Bible says. He was walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized that he was the one who, who sat at the temple gate and begged of alms at the temple complex. And so they were filled with awe and astonishment by what had happened. You see, God chose to move in this man's life through Peter and John because he was in the presence of God. He had great expectancy. The authority was in the name of Jesus. And God himself was going to get the glory. Not the church, not some man, but God. You don't see Peter and John bragging about themselves. They're bragging about what God has done. You don't see this man bragging about Peter and John. He he is worshiping and praising God. And guys, if we can line up with those four things in our life, I think we position ourselves to where God can move in our lives, where He can move in our families, where He can move in our situations and our circumstances that we find ourselves in. But we've got to be in His presence. We've got to have great expectancy. We've got to submit to His authority the name of Jesus, and then live in His glory. Glorify God. Man, if we can get a hold of those four things, I promise you, you have positioned yourself where God's power can be revealed in your life. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed and 
as I've tried to share with you what the Lord has laid on my heart for today, I want to ask you a question. How are things with you in the Lord? Is the environment of your heart ready to reveal God's power? Is the environment of your heart ready to reveal God's power? Are you where He is? Are you in His presence? Have you surrendered to the Lordship of Christ? Have you asked Him to forgive you, come into your life, be your Lord, be your Savior, live for Him? Are you where He is, church? You've got to get there. You've got to be in His presence. As you walk in His presence, do you expect great things from God? Maybe you're like me. Maybe you've had so many dreams shattered. Maybe you've been hurt by so many that sometimes you get to the point where you quit dreaming. Sometimes you get to the point where you quit believing. Sometimes you get to the point where you just quit having faith in people. You've been hurt so many times. Guys, I know exactly, I can tell you, I know exactly how all of those things feel. But I still have a great hope and a great faith that's anchored in a great God. And I expect great things from Him in my life, in my family, and in our church. What about the authority in your life? Who has authority in your life? Is it Jesus? Have you given Him complete authority? Have you bowed a knee to Jesus? Have you given Him your life? Have you made some decisions that have been fleshly, carnal decisions that you've made yourself, thinking you'll deal with other things later? Or are you living your life under the authority of the Word of God and the authority of Jesus Himself? Guys, if you want to have God's power flowing, you got to get under the authority of Jesus. And then who's getting the glory? Please don't leave here and brag on yourself or brag on me or brag on the church. Leave here and brag on Jesus. Leave here and brag on God. Just this week, my son and I and Brother Tommy were in a situation. We were bewildered, and we said, let's just pray. And we prayed. Said, God, we've done all we know to do in this situation. And it was maybe a little thing for some, but it was a big thing for where we were. God, will you just move? Will you just hear and answer our prayer? Will you, we give you this situation. Will you move? We said amen. And I want you to know in the next 10 seconds, boom, God showed up. And immediately, you know what happened? Hands went straight up to God and said, Thank you, Lord. He got the glory. Now, guys, that's how we got to live. Expect great things from God. There's nothing too small, there's nothing too large that you can't take to God in prayer. Take it to Him and expect Him to move and give Him the glory. Father, we commit this time to You right now. Lord, we just pray that Your will be done in all of our hearts and all of our lives. Maybe there's some here today that, that just simply aren't in Your presence. Maybe they're being religious and going through the religious activity, but they're just not living daily in Your presence. Pray right now that the Holy Spirit of God will convict our hearts and draw us to You.
Help us, God, to live daily in your presence. Your word says that you will not look on sin. Sin separates us from you. God, convict us even now. Draw us close to you. Shine your Holy Spirit flashlight on the sins of our life and convict us of it and help us, Lord, to repent of those. Plead and ask for forgiveness. Lay them at the feet of the cross. God, we need your presence. God, help us in our expectancy. Help us with our authority. Help us to glorify you. God, we invite your presence into all of our services. We invite your presence into our life. We invite your presence into our families. We invite your presence into our church. God, we pray that we would be a powerful church that lives in your presence, that expects great things from you, that submits to your authority, and that glorifies you for everything that's said and done in our lives. Father, we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, at Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.